To this week's edition of Style and Empowerment Chat with Laura French Radio. I'm your host, Laura Masaryk. Excited to be here uh, today. So last week we had a fun and adventurous week. I uh, went down to Christmas Village which in Philadelphia, which this year I was really excited and impressed. So usually it's just in the square of um, City Hall and they have the ice skating rink and all the artists and tents. But this year they extended it all the way across the street to Love Park. So you have an even bigger Christmas village. Now there's a free light show on the wall of City Hall in the main courtyard that borders um, the ice skating rink. Every evening, 530, 630, 730, and 830. Uh, it's it truly, it's beautiful, great for the kids. And, you know, make some a nice thing to do yourself or with friends or on a date. 
they have a, an indoor, um, they have a food court. Oh my God, ladies, see if you love hot chocolate. They <laughs> At this one, I okay, so there's this one vendor that's closest um, to the ice skating rink side, and you can get spiked hot chocolate, which is fantastic. They have peppermint, butterscotch, and peanut butter liqueur. I mean, you can have it straight, but they sell the spiked hot chocolate. Now, I love Reese's peanut butter cups. Peanut butter and chocolate, you know, that, that goes together like whipped topping and, and, and pudding. So I thought, well, this kid, let me get that. A oh, my God, it was so amazing. <laughs> it was literally like drinking a hot Reese's peanut butter cup. Oh, wow. uh, like I uh, highly and they give you the to-go cups so you could just walk around uh, sipping on on your your spiked hot chocolate it's awesome um there's artisans from around the world um selling ornaments and you know rugs and all kinds of uh, different stuff uh definitely worth uh, checking out and i always like uh this time of year just to kind of hop into some of the nice hotels uh in the area and check out the lobbies and and their trees uh, some of my favorite um ones to go to that year after year just have the best uh, christmas decorations uh the four seasons um and and downtown philadelphia uh let's see the lows uh, always is great uh Le meridian in philadelphia they always have really nice um christmas decorations oh and then uh, the logan hotel which of course they have one of my favorite rooftop lounges uh called assembly but then also uh they decorate the hotel just so beautiful every year at christmas uh and they have a really nice indoor gardens and uh enclosed uh sanctuaries uh that you can walk around in so you know dip into some of your favorite hotels check out all the christmas decorations uh of course uh new york city has some of the best christmas decorations uh madison avenue rockefeller center uh you got the beautiful ice skating rink and the big trees oh and in philly also on columbus boulevard by uh the piers near dave and busters the ice skating rink they have a couple really big beautiful trees uh some of the uh best places uh, to go in new york city around christmas time definitely rockefeller center fifth avenue uh madison avenue just walk see all the the stores and the beautiful window displays and also another great place in new york city to check out some great lights and and stroll around is uh by the chelsea piers the yards um they actually have a whole uh mile long uh christmas decorations around the stores oh and then also in new york city i forget the name of of the exact complex but it's uh, right where uh the old the new world trade center and retail shops are they have about a two mile long stretch of all these just beautiful christmas decorations and even if you're uh has uh celebrate another faith it's always uh just beautiful to see all the lights and displays so now there's some other holidays happening this weekend in december uh that you know i have a little mention 
You know, I don't know who thinks up some of these holidays. Uh, there seems to be a, a national day for any and everything nowadays. So uh, today is actually, I forgot, I have Crystal on today, but December 15th here in the U.S. is National Wear Your Pearls Day. Uh, so everybody get your, get your your best pearls out. Uh, and it, uh, tomorrow is National Chocolate Covered Anything Day. I'm a chocolate girl. I love some good chocolate. So I don't need an excuse to, <laughs> to get, get my chocolate going. Uh, so, uh, Friday, uh, December 17th is National Ugly Sweater Day. Uh, let's see. Um, Saturday, December 18th is Arabic Language Day. Uh, and the 18th is National Wreaths Across America Day. So, I just I got all my Christmas wreaths out. Um, I got the outside of my uh, house decorated. You know, it's it's day by day, step by step. Uh, and uh, let's see. Uh, oh, if you like crossword puzzles, uh, the 21st is National Crossword Puzzle Day. Uh, so, you know, there's, a, there's a, a little something for everybody. And, of course, um, Thursday, December 23rd is Festivus Day. Uh, and, of course, uh, we have on uh, Christmas Eve, but also on Christmas Eve is the F Feast of the Seven Fishes, if you are a Catholic. And Sunday, December 26th, is uh, Kwanzaa. And, of course, uh, Sunday the 26th in the UK and Ireland is uh, Boxing Day. Uh, so, now... Uh, last week, I also uh, had the opportunity to cover uh, R&B singer Eric Benet uh, performing at the City Winery. Uh, he gave just such a stellar uh, performance. It was the first time I've been to uh, the City Winery uh, here in Philadelphia for a concert. Uh, of course, this is kind of a new concept. A city winery started out as a restaurant and wine bar, and they uh, their locations, which they have around the country, added a concert venue as well. Uh, Eric, uh, he performed uh, all of his big hits, Spend My Life With You, um, The News, so many of his hits. He has such an amazing and beautiful falsetto. And and just such a great live performer and he's also been producing uh, some TV shows and movies and different projects he has going on so that definitely was a great show you can check out uh, my coverage on our Facebook page and on my Instagram at the Laura Masaryk so lots of stuff have been popping off in the worlds of TV and fashion and uh, got a lot of stuff we're all buzzing about so we're gonna take our first musical break when we come in we're gonna dive right into all the sex in the city uh, uh, smoke and hubbub <laughs> heading don't mess with a classic sometimes leave well enough alone <laughs> we'll be back with more style and empowerment chat with Lauren friends after this musical break hey hey hey, hey. I met this girl down the block from me Used to tell 
Even wrote down the day that I fell for you. Mm-hmm. Now it's crossed out and weighed, but I still can't forget if I wanted to. And it drives me insane. Think I'm hearing your name everywhere I go, but it's all in my head. It's just all in my head. But you won't see me break. Call you up in three days. I'll send you a bouquet, saying it's a mistake. Drink my troubles away. One more glass of champagne, and you know I'm the first to say that I'm not perfect, and you're the first to say you want the best thing. But now I know a perfect way to let you. Was just fine. How I tried, how I tried to be great for you. I'm flawed.
flawed by design And you love to remind me No matter what I do But you won't see me break Call you up in three days I'll send you a bouquet Saying it's a mistake Drink my troubles away One more glass of champagne And you know I'm the first to say that I'm not perfect And you're the first to Jesse McCarthy throwback in our first break. He's actually coming to Philly uh, in, uh, I believe it is May. Uh, so now, speaking of uh, music news, I got a lot popping uh, this week. So here's a really unexpected musical pairing. So it's just announced that Dr. Dre and uh, R&B soul kind of spoken word artist Marsha Ambrosius are working on a new album together. So that's really interesting because you know uh, Dr. Dre of course is one of the godfathers of gangster rap uh, launched uh, The Curve, Eminem, Snoop Dogg uh, so many other artists. Now Marsha Ambrosius of course did start out uh, in the R&B kind of spoken word group Flowetry uh, back in the day. And of course, uh, I don't know if it's going to come to fruition, but there was rumors, uh, buzz going around that they're reuniting for their 20th anniversary and going on tour this year. Uh, of course, Marsha uh, opened up for uh, Maxwell in the, his 50 Intimate Nights tour about, what was that, two, three years ago? Hard to believe time flies. Um, so uh, that's going to be really interesting. Uh, and of course, Alicia Keys just unveiled her new uh double uh, disc album keys uh now for all our tiktok music fans out there uh so destiny's child who really officially isn't fully together anymore but their big uh, back in the day hit bills 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 was named a tiktok's top uh comeback track of 2021 so, i don't know who the voting i knew the voting panel was of this you know but one of the things that kind of makes me scratch my head and why exactly and kind of annoys me about tiktok is when you see people and they have their videos and the songs that pipe in there you actually know the song and the artist and it doesn't say the correct name of the artist in the song. 
it says somebody else there. I'm like, wait, that's C.C. Peniston or that's so-and-so. I, you know, that I just don't make sense, it makes sense to me. And I feel like there's a lot of different ways, man. As an artist, you just have to, your your eyes have to be out there everywhere and anywhere. It's, it's just be exhausting because people just kind of try and commandeer your stuff under, under the rug in so many different ways. You know, I came from the generation you give credit where it's credit due, right? Um, so now in, in other uh, music news, Cardi B just broke another record. So she is now the first female rapper with three Diamond certified singles, which now uh, with all the digital, you know, downloads and people not really buying a CDs anymore is a real accomplishment. So her new song, I Like It, is the rap superstar's third single to have 10 million units sold. Uh, so platinum is a million. Uh, diamond is when you sell 10 million of an album or song. Um, so she's now triple diamond status. So congratulations, Cardi. Uh, you know, but I think really it's just interesting now when uh, people toss around the word platinum record. It's not as much of an accomplishment as it used to be, like uh, up until I'd say 2000 and say maybe 14-ish. 15-ish when people were still buying CDs and you know artists actually had to run the circuit and go to radio shows and stations all over you know um, A&R reps would make up media kits and, and and they would do creative presentations with the singles that they would mail out to the stations or actually walk to the stations and meet with the station managers and it was all about packaging and product placement and you know phone calling and pitching and actually putting the work in to get to get that and people will actually leave their homes <laughs> and walk out to the to the fyi or sam goody uh stores and flip through and look at the cds and pick them up and i really think now since we've moved 80 i'd say 80 percent to digital music purchase I think they kind of, it's at the time where they have to catch up to technology and redefine what platinum means or, or differentiate and say digital platinum, you know, because just downloading all this music, it's not the same as fans actually going to the store. You're, you know, they're paying $20 for a whole album, you know, so, but it's an accomplishment, you know, nonetheless. But I think, you know, at this point in the game, that the industry really has to kind of recategorize and divine because the music purchasing and distribution uh, has changed so much. So now in uh, Do Gooder News, uh, Philly native rapper um, uh, entrepreneur Meek Mill uh, is do just announced he's donating $500,000 uh, in value in Christmas gifts to Philadelphia families, including laptops, tablets, bikes, blankets, games, uh, coats, clothing, and gift cards. 
And he just announced a toy drive uh, December 19th with Rock Nation and partnering with the Philadelphia 76ers basketball team and uh, the football team, the New England Patriots. And Meek has also pledged $30,000 to the Philadelphia chapter of uh, the 12 Days of Christmas uh, nonprofit, which assists families during the Christmas season. Uh, now, and in other music news, a new edition has just announced that they're going on tour with Charlie Wilson and Jodeci. So, now, I'm wondering if Casey and JoJo are are uh, still part of it. They, you know, they are the founding members of Jodeci. Um, but, you know, each of them have had their battles with addiction and other other uh, life issues. So it'd be really nice to see them back together and um, and, and doing what, what they love. Uh, so uh, we're going to take another musical break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk fashion, TV news, other entertainment news and later in the hour we're excited to welcome internationally acclaimed uh, Philadelphia fashion couture and ready to wear fashion designer uh, Praje Oscar Batiste who's currently featured on uh, this season's edition of Project Runway so uh, keep it locked in to Style and Empowerment Chat with Lauren Friends and we'll be right back after this musical break my girl You've been hurt before You've 
to Stalin and Paramount Chef Laura and Friends. So, of course, uh, one of the big stories here in the States that everybody's been talking about and affected by is this uh, past Friday, uh, we had massive tornadoes uh, in, in the Midwest and, and South. So the total of uh, five tornadoes swept through eight states, uh, Tennessee, Kentucky, Illinois, Arkansas, Mississippi. Uh, so far, uh, the tornadoes have killed 70 people and in injured hundreds. Um, many are still missing, uh, and family members are, are still, um, you know, uh, not found. Um, and many families are displaced and without power. Uh, President Biden declared a state of emergency um, in these states, uh, which of course opens up government funding um, for cleaning and restoration. Uh, so now if you wanna donate uh, to uh, help the relief fund uh, for these tornadoes, you can donate directly to the Red Cross by calling 1-800-RED-CROSS. You can also um, reach out to the Salvation Army. And then uh, if you Google um, a lot of the states that were hit, you know, just uh, just Google, um, you know, tornadoes, uh, There's because there's a lot of stories about it right now. Um, some of the states like Arkansas, um, the governors have set up a direct GoFundMe relief fund that you can uh, click, you know, if there's specific states that you want to send your resources to. Uh, and, and lots of volunteer groups have gone out uh, there to help remove debris. Uh, and just, you know, lend a helping hand. There's, you know, help isn't always money, and sometimes we don't have the resources to give money, but we can give our time and effort and our compassion uh, to, uh, to help. Uh, so now in, in other news, let's just dive right into some of our entertainment news. So everybody's just uh, buzzing, and it's been a lot of negative feedback so uh hbo just started airing the new uh sex in the city show just like that um and it hasn't been met with a lot of uh good reception of course those of us who grew up in the era of sex in the city which of course has been in reruns on hbo and bravo for many years but Sex in the City was a cultural phenomenon uh, in the 2000s. Uh, influenced fashion, the first two movies as well, and just so many cultural trends came from Sex in the City, from restaurants to catchphrases to jewelry to clothing, and people were invested in in the lives of these characters, and, you know, everybody was like, oh, am I a Samantha? Am I a Carrie? You know, so everybody was really excited to, you know, that it was coming back. Um, so, of course, now uh, the first two episodes just hit everybody like a rock. Um, first thing is, after years of the ups and downs 
a, a big and Carrie's romantic relationship and him finally marrying her, doing right by her, and uh, the second movie they get back together after the brouhaha with their wedding and this and that. So they open up the first episode of the, Just Like That, uh, the Sex in the City spinoff, which again, I'm confused why they're calling it Just Like That. I know that was one of Carrie's catchphrases, but why not just call it something like More Sex in the City or Sex in the City, the next chapter? You know, they're right there with that. That was like a wrong turn. But in the opening scene, Harry comes home and, you know, Big had just bought, uh, his real name in the show is Jonathan. Uh, he bought a, a Peloton bike. Now, for those of you who don't know what that is, um, it's his bike and you have a computer screen and a, 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 it links in with this app and, you know, it gives you all this scenery and different effects and stuff while you're riding your bike, okay? And it's all like smart smartphone operated okay so he's talking about he wants to get this peloton and you know work out get in shape whatnot so carrie comes home and bigs in his workout gear collapsed on the floor grabbing his arm um and he's in obvious duress and she just she just stands there like oh my god John, what's wrong? And then slowly walks to her. He's grabbing him, and he's trying to, you know, and she walks over and she's like, oh, honey. Gives him a hug and just holds him and he passes away. So everybody's going on on this. Okay, how come you didn't call 911? How come you didn't grab a towel? And like any, any kind of thing. Now I will say you're in these situations and you can say in your mind well i would do this but then you can kind of freeze but the thing is this is make-believe so writers ha have control of how it's presented you know this this one hit me me on a deeper level because you know i haven't shared this publicly but <clears throat> you know um when my father had his his respiratory flare-up with which ultimately sent him to the hospital and then you know a week later he passed away I was in those shoes I walked in the room and my dad was unresponsive and at first I thought he was just asleep and then I realized he was unresponsive and incoherent and then I'm trying to rouse him and I realized oh my god something's wrong and I go through my stages of trying to pick him up rouse and I called the ambulance I didn't just sit there, oh, Dad, what's wrong? And just stand there, oh, gee, you don't seem okay. Oh, do you need a, a do you need a, do you need a hug? You know, as, as you're unresponsive, what the heck? Like, what? And then they're at the funeral, and then characters are saying, as she's mourning, characters are saying, yeah, but can we not, don't we remember what a dick he was to her all those years and this and that? And that's so tacky and, and disrespectful. Nobody's perfect. And oftentimes when people pass on, you have the rankly emotional edges of unresolved issues and unsaid conversations. And, you know, you 
kind of retalk things in your head and you're like, gee, I wish we had a, oh, well, uh, you know, did, did so-and-so really mean that? I wish we could have talked that that hurt my, and you're left with all this lingering stuff and you have to work through it yourself. And you can still have those conversations, but it's spiritually, it's not like the person's right here where you can kind of thrash those things out and get healing and closure. You have to heal yourself. True. I, you know, nobody's perfect. We all have our issues and stuff. We get caught up in behaviors and this and that. Right. Okay, that's humanity. But the time to talk about that isn't at, 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 at the person's funeral. And it's disrespecting what's going It's like you don't talk about stuff like that at weddings. <laughs> and you don't talk about that at, at funerals. You, th this is the time to honor the person. You know, afterwards, you're at home, you're on the phone with your friend or whatever, and when someone's grieving, who wants to hear, oh, well, you shouldn't have married that person anyway, da da da, da. It's like trivializing the, the, their life. So, so tacky. Uh, then, then the other thing is, um, Miranda, she she's now a law professor. She says says some really like racist, tacky stuff in some scenes. Then her 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 uh, son Brady, who's a teenager, is now doing pot. Then now, of course, one of the main criticisms of Sex in the City for decades has been their it was a great show, but the lack of inclusivity. Um, racial diversity, you know, not a lot. There was always gay characters, but they never really focused on like gay plot, LGBTQ plot lines, like things that affect that you go through and those kinds of things. Um, so, okay, so, so now, and Miranda was always a very like stand up for everybody kind of person. So now, of course, um, Stanford, the actor who played him, passed away. They still have some of his scenes in the show. And then they introduced this new, new female character who's kind of gender-fluid female lesbian. That's great. But she has a real surly, obnoxious personality. That's kind of causing issues between the pre-existing friends. Why do they, they do bring a female lesbian into the show? Why she got to have an obnoxious personality? Which perpetuates stereotypes that are out there, right? Like, so it's, you're, you're given representation, but it's not good representation, right? Then the lesbian is the one who's introducing the son to pot. That also is, is in a subtle way, saying bad, you know, judgment behind the curtain. Stereotypes, you know, which this show is about like embracing yourself and individuality. And that's not where it's at. Now let's talk about the tacky, unprofessional, caca way they handled um, Kim Cattrall and Samantha's character. So those of you who follow these actresses and whatnot know that this past year and a half or so, Kim Cattrall has come out and been very vocal about the fact 
that she didn't get along with these women and that they treated her badly during the show. And, you know, her, I think it was either her mother or father had passed away last year, and, some, and um, Sarah Jessica Parker had tweeted, like, condolences. First of all, I have issues with that as well. If you're not in a person's life on the regular, you know, a tweet looks like you're just looking, trying to look like you're compassionate. So I, there are times people I know have lost, and I'll say so, but, you know, the people that I really actually have personal relationships of any context. Um, hold on. Hello? Hi, Prajay. I'm actually on my... We're going to take a quick break. Uh, Prajay just uh, is in the area. So when we come back, we'll continue to chop it up about uh, all these issues going on in the, uh, what I feel is unnecessary sex in the city reboot. So we're going to take a quick musical break. And we'll be back with more fashion and entertainment after this. Okay. <laughs> Forget you. I run by my kilter, keeping 
the whole way they they handled this uh, Samantha Kim Cattrall situation, we were starting to say, you know, Kim Cattrall, I can't remember if it was her father or mother, but I know it was one of her parents. She lost her parent, and then Sarah Jessica Parker does something, oh, you have my condom, blah, blah, blah. And like I was saying, you know, um, when people actually are in my life for real and I see something have happened in their life that they're talking about on social media, I actually call <laughs> and text and say, hey, are you all right? Even if you're not, a, you don't want just know I'm, I'm here. Like the line's open when you need me. Yeah. If I haven't talked to somebody for years, I'm not going to do what I feel is like a fake Oh, that's so sad. Oh, I'm here for you, sis. Right? So Kim Cattrall basically called her out and said, look, you guys have all been bleep bleeps to me. I'm not pretending anymore. Because, you know, when you have a certain level um, of loss in your life, like I experienced this when I lost my father, it is a quick, like, if you're fake and petty, and I don't have to deal with you, I'm not. I'm not gonna indulge you and pretend you haven't been a, a blank to me, right? So she basically called her out, and then they were trying, uh, to, when they decided they wanted to do the reboot, Kim didn't want any part of it because of how she had been treated in her personally. They, they, you know, and they're all just looking at the check. And they were pursuing her, pursuing her, then the fans were kind of bullying her and they were creating that climate, which to me, what I saw, um, it, it reinforced what Kim Cattrall was saying. And you have the right, no matter what the situation, personal, romantic, friendship, to say, this doesn't feel right in my spirit. I don't want to take part of it. Blessings, I'm moving to the left. And instead of being professional and saying, oh, okay. And then when it comes time to them doing the show, doing it in a professional way and paying respect to the character and the, her following and her important role in the show. They made up this really kind of mean girl, petty storyline that um, Kim Cattrall's character, who was a publicist, hadn't been being doing a good job. Sarah Parker, was Carrie was dissatisfied fired her and then Kim just got mad and moved to London and stopped talking to everybody. Mm -hmm. That's so petty. So petty. So then they bring in these characters that don't really fit and kind of have obnoxious personalities and it's just a whole disservice to the whole franchise. Um, and then the other element is Peloton. <laughs> is talking about suing sex in the city because all of us in this industry and in advertising branding is everything they had reached out um, to Peloton and said they wanted to do some product placement in a storyline of course who would say no to sex in the city which has been so culturally influential and who would think that they would do something negative with it that would play right because look what sex in the city did for Manila Blahnik and Jimmy Choo and the Birkin and everything so they're thinking mm -hmm. it, instead it's used as a pivotal point in the death of big I don't get it 
and and then, <laughs> and, and then they think they're so like in a bubble that they don't think they're gonna offend the company because you know we're in that snapshot memes TikTok kind of world now. So everybody is basically hashtag don't buy a Peloton. I don't want to die, <laughs> kind of. The, so that's affecting their business. Oh my god. So they're saying yes to being placed in the movie to increase their business and then they're showing a character dying on their machine you don't think that these people are gonna get mad yeah so peloton released some statements saying that basically this wasn't what they signed on to they didn't ask them <laughs> you know they didn't allude that this was how it's going to be utilized um otherwise they wouldn't have said yes and in classy this is like Diamond Shade. Peloton just made a commercial with Chris Noth, who of course plays big, um, and one one of the the upper reps, a Peloton, where they're sitting there discussing fitness and this and that, and then Ryan Reynolds does the voiceover saying. And yes, Big is still alive. <laughs> and the benefits of cardio and working out and that nobody's ever died on our our product. I mean, this whole execution it's is so just bad. so stupid and bad and tacky. And it's to the point where people who are like diehard fans are now just disgusted with the whole bye. Plus, when you see that these women... In, it actually aren't nice people. <laughs> it kind of then makes you lose um, really caring about the series and think, okay, well, there's other people to throw my attention to. <laughs> so uh, just, I think, uh, you know, sometimes my dad, you would always say, sometimes you just have to know when to walk away and leave well enough alone. <laughs> and I think just like that, it is, is an example of that. So uh, we're going to take another musical break. We're so excited um, when we come back. I will be welcoming to the show uh, fashion designer, activist, producer, Prajay Oscar Baptiste, uh, who, of course, I first met backstage at Philly Fashion Week, and he's just been blowing up all over the world, uh, Project Runway. So we're going to go uh, all inside uh, his career and behind the scenes of the uh, uh, Project Runway. So keep it locked into Style and Empowerment Chat with Lauren Friends Radio, and we'll be right back after this musical break. I tell them say I don't A Sean Paul, Paul and Sasha, come sing for them, baby. Though you make me holler, though you make me sweat, I can't get your tenderness. Still I can't get you off my mind. What is it about you, baby? I don't say, don't say, don't say love. Stay a dirty, dirty, dirty love I'm still in love With you, boy So girl, they try to understand That the man is just a man That's a dirty, dirty love I'm still in love With you, boy That's a love from the start But you know we're out to part That's the way I get my love Gotta do what a man gotta do. 
in a bling bling for all the girl When I dance a loving when me fling fling control the girl And I make your head swirl, and I make your body twirl And I make you wanna be my one and only baby girl Night after night, me give you love to keep you warm Girl, you never get this kind of loving from your band I know you want your cat, then me just can't perform I love you, baby oh, yeah. I told you get the little loving on me You gone. don't know how to let me Time for no kissing and chow even how to kiss me oh, oh, oh. I do my take your little heart by star
Style and Empowerment Chat with Laura and Friends Radio. So we are so excited to uh, welcome to the show a uh, fashion designer and just amazing, amazing person, Prajay Oscar Baptiste. Yes, how are you? I am excellent. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you for having me. Yes. So, of course, uh, we met, what is it, like two years ago, I think yeah. now, uh, backstage at Philly, Philly Fashion, Fashion Week. Week. And I just fell in love with, I mean, you're such a warm and lovely person, but, Thank you. you know, I'm, I'm all about color and glamour and sophistication and edge, and I was just blown away the first time I saw your collection. Uh, he, Praja, you're known for your use of beautiful and bold colors. Yes. As, yes. Yes. Bold <laughs> prints, bold, bold colors, and... Drama. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Trauma. <laughs> but I thought, who is this man? I must find him backstage. <laughs> yes, I remember. City Hall, right? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So, and now, of course, uh, Prajay, you uh, were born in Haiti. Yes. Uh, which, of course, is a big influence on your design aesthetic. Yes. So, of course, there's so many different um, Latin characteristics and in, in trends and fashion you know puerto rican has its own own uh, distinct style mexican and so forth how would you describe like elements in fashion that distinctly um embody haitian style um well i don't think i would say haitian style per se um but Traditionally, Haiti is known for beading and embroidery mm -hmm. and uh, lace making. There's, uh, you know, back in the days, there's a huge industry of that happening in Haiti. Um, a lot of major companies worked out of Haiti for a very, very long time. Um, so, like, when you come to the aspect of beading and embroidery and the kind of thing that they do with the needles and thread mm -hmm. um, by hand, that's where that kind of comes from. And you see it through my clothes. There's quite a lot of details are done by hand. And, of course, you don't have the embroidery and beading being done in Haiti, going back in, trying to bring some work back. Um, so, these aspects there is what I would say is from the culture. And, you know, and then there is the traditions and, you know... Um, uh, the heritage that the brand is built off of, but and you also, uh, which I love, incorporate a lot of just dynamic and bold headpieces. Yeah, into into your outfits. Yes, um, designing the collection for me is not just the clothes. <laughs> not many designers know that that you know. Any other day, yeah, it can it'll be fine. But during Fashion Week, when you're showing your collection. It is extremely important not to um, confuse the market or the audience. So it's extremely important that from the headpiece to the jewelry to the shoes to the handbag, it's all from your house as a designer. Unfortunately, not every, every designer can do that. Um, but for me, from the head to toes, I try to make it all Project Oscar. So we design the headpieces as well when we're designing the collection. Um, whether it's head wrapping mixed with a crown or a mm -hmm. crown uh, by itself or 
a specific elaborate crown or hat or hat or whatever it is. So those pieces are always there too. There's a whole team designing headpiece for the collections. Oh my God, your your, your headpieces are fantastic, and every woman just wants to feel like a queen or a, a goddess with a, a fantastic headpiece on. Yes, um, and for my brand model, every woman is a goddess. So that's our considering with Haitian with voodoo culture that which I I am a voodooist. Um, you know all the saints or day days, what we call them. They are goddesses and gods. Um, lowercase. So every time you know you see these women on the runway, the collection, they're all supposed to be goddesses of whatever. <laughs> that time. So there's a lot of fairy tale within the clothes, as clean and as market ready as they are but if you look into each piece you will find very specific details um, and that's how i design that's my aesthetic i don't put everything in one look and trying to impress that's what i don't do <laughs> right and you know what i i love about uh, your work is it's very current and now but it has a timeless sophisticated element to it where you could wear these these uh, dresses anywhere mm -hmm. now next year 10 years from now um yeah i was raised by um you know by a grandmother who didn't know how to write or read, or read but she was a farmer but when it comes to business she was extremely gifted in how to turn a dollar into many more dollars um and she was very well put together. If you didn't know her, you didn't know her story, you would have never known that she was a farmer. She sell at the big grain market from Monday to Friday selling vegetables. You would never know that because she's so chic, so well put together, you know, crossing the street with her on a Sunday. It's a whole different story. But she always made it very clear when you're buying clothes try to buy clothes that are like investments you know even if you're done with it you can pass it down to your kids and that's what it's lost in fashion i feel today and that's the gap that project oscar actually do feel is to kind of not forget about those you know the old trade or the old techniques um the old details the old elegance where women would have to wear undergarment with your dress you don't see that anywhere you tell a young girl now you do you have an undergarment they probably are what? what like they don't know but this is part of dressing well it's not just a body thing but it does something the way your clothes is draped on you um having the uh, proper undergarment so all these things so when i design my clothes i design with that same kind of mentality that was given to me by my grandmother like these clothes it's not just it should not be a one-time wear or one event where you should be able to wear this to a funeral or wear it the next day to a wedding um and that's kind of where my design aesthetic comes well i can certainly relate to you on that element of feeling that in a lot of today's fashion there's not the craftsmanship mm -hmm. th that there was before you're not raised with the education of okay if you're wearing certain kinds of fabrics you need certain types of bras mm -hmm. you need certain types of foundation garments yeah. you know and they it, looking like you forgot to put clothes on yeah 
isn't really yeah. <laughs> being dressed. And I remember a couple years ago, I had picked up some dress, and it was just a little too sheer. Like, yeah, sometimes when you're in the fitting room, mm -hmm. it looks one way, and then you get home in the you full line, you're like, oh. <laughs> that's what's happening. Here. Right, like, that's not the message I'm looking to send. And I loved it, but it was a little too sheer. Uh -huh. So it, I, I wanted to get a slip. All right, so I go into Victoria's Secret, and I say, because I was in a hurry, and I said, oh, you know, do, do you sell, do you have slips? And she says, oh, yes, and then she starts trying to pitch a bra to me, which I'm like, look, I'm in a hurry. I don't, I know, I know your manager's telling you, but I'm like, you know, I, I'm looking for this specifically. I'm in a hurry. So she proceeds to bring me to uh, the pajama section. And shows me a chemise. <laughs> um, it's a teddy. That's a nightgown. It's not a slip. So I'm like, you clearly don't know what, what you're talking about. <laughs> and then, and then you're wasting my time taking me to something that isn't what I'm looking for. And I'm like, God, there's like a whole generation yeah. of women out there who don't know what proper foundation garments are yeah. and shaping garments. And no matter what size you are, shaping garments it's, are essential. It's essential to proper dressing. And even it's not just women. Um, before people start throwing tomatoes, this is not an attack on women's wardrobe. Right, no. <laughs> it's, not. it's an but, educational. Um, but even for men, I don't think men today know that when you go to a store you buy a suit the pockets are supposed to be popped that stitch is not there to stay or in the back of their right, the base, the, the base stitch oh is still God. there or the tag is still on their arm with the i'm like you're supposed to take those stitches out once the suit come back from the t from the dry cleaners right they're there for tailoring purposes um it's a lot and then i think it was important for me when i was figuring out what this brand represents and what that brand is and i keep going back to growing up as a kid just to simply go to school my shoes had to be perfectly shined i wasn't in the army this was a everyday at home thing and it's mm. a haitian cultural thing that you don't leave the house with dirty shoes or your i mean if you're a Haitian woman, press your clothes, honey. I'm telling you, it's the mm. best press, and that crease never goes away. And you had to be pristine and press. And the, for the girls, you have to have the proper undergarment. Your skirt have to be a certain inches below your knee, even though, again, this is not to tell women how to dress, but there is a certain way that I was raised in terms of like how both men and women would present themselves when it comes to high-end dressing let's just call it high-end dressing because you don't want to talk about sweatpants elegance sophistication. sophistication and the details so that's the core of project oscar it, uh, these things um and to uh, you know uh, jumping off of that point like how i i was raised is it showing self-respect for yourself your body mm -hmm. uh, you know and, and you're and as a lady that you know you can be classy the way you said like the right. legs go like all of that and why <laughs> um unfortunately for me i was raised by a very og woman yes. that and when i came you know i'm also adopted and when i came to this country with my adopted parents it was the same thing they're french like can you imagine i had to put a nice shirt on for as long as I know to have dinner at my own house every day. Like, every day you have to get dressed 
for dinner, everyday dinner that happened exactly at six o'clock mm-hmm. at my parents' house. There is that entire thing there. And I'm and I thank God for having the best of both worlds yeah. where I have both of these cultures that is kind of shape who I am today. When you look at the clothes you can see it. It's very bold, very mm-hmm. bright, like it's all in your face, but it's very demure, very clean, very sophisticated and timeless. Like you said, I design timeless pieces. You can wear it anytime. I'm influenced by antiques and vintage. That's the world I live in. Um, but I, you know, I understand that we are modern and I bring the modern into the clothes and that is a Project Oscar garment. <laughs> yes. Uh, now, uh, Pranjay, uh, do you also design for petite women and plus-size women? So, yes. Um, that, you know, there's a little bit of explaining on that to do as well. Um, usually when a brand have their brand, mm-hmm. if you are very serious about your brand, um, you create the sample, which is what you see on the runway all the time. It's not an indication of what the designer makes. Mm-hmm. It's a sample. You're supposed to look at it. If you like it, if you're a photographer, I would like to photograph this. If you're a consumer, I would like to buy this. Do you make a size? Whatever. That's what runway shows are. And I've mm-hmm. always, people always call me, oh my God, I see your clothes, but you only make clothes for skinny. I'm like, no, these are simple. It's the jump on point. A, it's a jump on point. This is my my, my draft, my Why? run draft to figure out where I'm going to invest my money. Now, this is the answer. As a brand, for me specifically, I will speak on my behalf. My smaller sizes always sell faster. And I always end up with the bigger size just sitting there. For years, it don't work. Any designer will tell you that's how. Once that sample is done, the show is done, they'll figure out how many pieces Bloomingdale's want. But if Bloomingdale's don't want a size 12, they would not make a size 12 because then that that size 12 just sits there. Right. So brand, like for me, who know what, how far my money can go and what I'm selling, I would make a size 2. I don't even have a size 0. I said a size 2 to a size 8 and then sell it. Now, if you go to any one of my shows, I were to post any image of any garment, anything that I put out, if you're a size, whatever it is, if you want that piece, it's a simple email. Mm-hmm. I would like that dress. I am a size this. I didn't see that size on your website. Then what we do, we tick in your order, almost kind of like a custom order, right. and then we'll make that sim look for you. <laughs> So it's a matter of being smart about this business, and a right. lot of thing, a lot of time, designers come in, they don't know who their market is. You can say my market is this, but you don't know until the pa- the you know the writing is on mm-hmm. the paper, and then you find out that for the longest time, I thought my client base was. 25 to 55 and when I realized it's not 25 to 55 it's actually 35 plus to that 55 because the young girls are not checking for me because nobody wants to wear a slip (laughs) (laughs) so I I had to figure that out and how I figured that out and to figure out who was buying my clothes what size they were so now the fact that I know the 25 are not purchasing and there's a lot more size zeros than 25 I cut that out because I don't have the money right. to sit there and make a bunch of size zero dresses that's not being sold especially now especially yeah. now uh, you have to be very very strategic on what you make and how you make it and you have to test the market before you go out there and produce oh I'm a designer I do from size 0 to 14 how many of those sizes are you actually selling you're not mm-hmm. doing yourself you know, justice, you know, with your business, you're literally setting yourself up for failure. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> so, I make clothes for everyone, to answer to your question. If there is any given time, anything you saw from gowns to ready-to-wear, 
if there is something that we cannot make there's a specific size we make it will say right there this can only be made in this size but anything you see can be made and you also make a lot of your own textiles yes correct? yes um i did a first show on on the line with josie and i remember having a dress there and it was such a mess and then she asked me how much was the dress. I'm like, well, it's $800. And then he went off on me. I bought why was the dress $800. I understand it's a beautiful print, but this is a store purchase print. It's not yours. Da -da -da -da. And then he went down, you know, if a store were to come here, they want this dress. Now you might not have this print, but here you all have this $800 print. And after I pull, I pull everything that makes sense from his rent. <laughs> <laughs> I started designing my own prints now. It's uh, again, that's another lesson I had to learn as a designer. You walk into the store, you're saying you're working on a collection, and then you bought this print from the store. Lucky for you, Macy's was there, and then Macy's decided to buy that print in six colors. And then you go to the store trying to rebuy that print again, and you no longer have it. Right. What happened to you? You and were bankrupt. And if you go and get have that custom order. And then you don't have you the don't fabric. You don't have the fabric. Macy's is not going to give you a second chance mm -hmm. or a deadline. Or they're going to switch that print. They're just going to cancel that order. Mm -hmm. And then what happened? And if you already pull money out of your business to create that order, you're bankrupt because they don't pay you right away. It's, right. There's a 30 to 60 day after delivery. Fulfill, you can't fulfill the order. You can't fulfill the order. You end up losing money. And also a connection with Macy's because they're not coming back. Mm -hmm. Once we didn't fulfill that first order, they're not coming back for a second one. So right. that's why it's very, very, very important designers out there. Um, when you are designing your collection, think. If it's something for just now, just for the runway, mm -hmm. fine. But if you're trying to take your career to the next level and boogie with the big guys, right. you think about these things. So your own you know, textile or work with a designer that does it on textile, you know, it's a phone call away. Mm -hmm. They can recreate that print for now, you. Now, what can you speak to us a little bit about what your process was in learning how to make textiles? Um, to be quite honest with you, I, um, I attended Massachusetts College of Art. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if they're the only one with that model because I've seen a few different schools. They're different. My mm -hmm. first year there, there was it's not a fashion design year. Even though I went there as a fashion design student, it's called, I forgot what they call it, it's discovery year or something. You take everything, it, everything but fashion, and then you start moving into fashion your sophomore year. Now, are you really sure that's what you want to do? This such you slow. You don't really get into fashion, fashion, your major even though on all your papers they say so until your junior year okay so in between that time what you are being taught is how to draw how to paint create your own textile movie making audio nice. making that's kind of why i have the foundation the fa it's called foundation year actually thank you oh, um, <laughs> um that's why for me now it's easier for me to sell somebody I'm like oh yeah i did do my all my campaigns i did do i am the creative director behind that mm -hmm. you know like, how can you do that it's because i spent two years at my start learning all these little details of how these things work so i've spent a lot of time being more interested in the creative side of school right. um versus anything else so i did come out with all these good skills i can cut my own videos for any one of my shows or whatever it is um and learning all those skills early you know mm -hmm. you might be paying a lot of money in, in students it was a lot of well, money but <laughs> on the other side of the coin 
in the long run you're saving an overhead mm -hmm. because you don't have to pay for a videographer you yes. don't have to pay for a marketing director yeah. you don't have to pay to source and 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 production because you know and yeah. you can have your hands right on the ground level and know what you're talking about and talk to your seamstresses in haiti and say oh i want to cut this way i want this whatever terminology yeah. and say and look at the factories yeah. know what to look for and not trust somebody else that you're paying money to that isn't necessarily doing things right exactly my foundation year at MassArt actually is what pays for my entire career as a designer mm. it haven't been designing um yeah there's clients there they would do sell here and there but what really paid the bill is production and me being as a creative director um, being able to walk in into a model and then review their portfolio and put it together for them. They go to an agency and they get booked. Mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. bringing a video to me, I'm like, you might want to cut this, 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 and that. Or I show up to an installation. My mother was a creator at Harvard, so there is that part I picked from her as well, how to properly put an installation, proper lighting, all these things. The sound, like if the sound is there, it's going to give you that. It's because I've done it. Um, I've, right. you know, done enough weddings, enough productions, and you know. Now, for our listeners who don't know what an installation is, that's an art term. Mm -hmm. So basically, it refers to whether it's in a window or you go to a museum. It's an interactive, multi-dimensional, mm -hmm. like mixed media, pre presentational, be a mix of maybe different lights, maybe some performance art. Um, uh, different effects. Um, yeah. If you go to Fashion Week and there's not a runway and all the models are standing, right. that's also an installation. Right. Um, or uh, Kanye West just did his. Mm -hmm. uh, he did a mixture of first he showed the models in a a, a visual like video kind mm -hmm. of hologram presentation, and then at the end they came out and stood on yes. cubes and whatnot. So that would be examples of an installation. Yeah. Right now. Speak, yeah. Speaking of installation, so I've just been so excited just to see all these great things happening uh, to you this uh, past year. So, um, Prajay, um, you know, you were living in New York for many years and about, what, three years ago? Three years ago, you, yeah. He uh, blessed Philly with uh, moving out here. Uh, he's been a big presence in Philly Fashion Week. And recently, I would say it's this past year, you, you became part of the production team yes having the creative director um for the past three shows okay um, um i think the last big show we did under that title was february right at the entry of coronavirus right, <laughs> so right. we did a, a massive installation again mm -hmm. um that was to kind of um celebrate um happy who was one of our designers there and also mm -hmm. another designer as well i forgot her name that who was um diagnosed with cancer and we knew the time with them was limited and i yeah. strongly believe in giving people their roses while they're alive yes. so i did convince the team to use these installations as a way to celebrate them and we did and thank god we did because we did we lost her at the end of the year yeah. so so yeah these type of things yeah i've been yeah. with philly fashion Week. it's been great it's been actually very it's been inspiring to be there to see the other designers as well 
and to see those who actually listen versus the one who yes. actually does not listen. <laughs> yes. And uh, of course, and now we've talked about this in previous shows, but now um, Philly Fashion Week is uh, affiliated with the CFDA. Mm-hmm. And they, they have been just rolling out so many great initiatives to support during this pandemic time uh, to support uh, different fashion shows, uh, designers, mm-hmm. and to keep the machine of the fashion industry going. Yeah. Yeah, that's um some of the big moves Kevin and Carrie are making. They work extremely hard. I don't know how they do it. Um, but um <coughs> on top of the CFDA this year also <coughs> they um um came up with the I think they were behind the fashion task force as mm-hmm. well with yeah. the city support, trying to get support for designers, you know, in Philadelphia, creating a space for them to create and, you know, um and pop you know, possibly produce and sell their products right here in Philly because I mean, you're right next to New York, and I don't believe, mm-hmm. and I'm not calling Philly New York. I would never be that rude, but Philly is Philly. I moved to Philly because there's a life out here. Why exactly? <laughs> you know, a lot of people say, "Why did you move to Philly?" I'm like, "Why do you act it like that? Is there something wrong here?" And they're like, "What? Yet again, you live downtown." I'm like, "It doesn't really matter," but I've always feel the same way. Wherever I go in Philly, I have the same vibe. We have a which great is that fashion and music and art, art scene. Se- the art scene here is sick. It's just like, and for me, it's not so much a fashion. I know fashion is just picking up in Philly and in, in, in more of an industry. Right. But when it comes to the art, where else oh. would you want to live? I mean, right. from food to music to the mural to the architecture to the cobblestones, there's so much around. And then it? you're only three hours away from New York. Literally, on the train is one hour and 45 minutes where the bus is two. Exactly. And you're right there to Washington, D.C. as well, which is another hub. Mm-hmm. And it, it, you're right in the middle. And I... I close my door and I do my work and and now you move into the age of technology you don't really need to be in New York to be in New York Um, so yeah now you also if I'm correct you now um, I know Kevin and Carrie and Conrad Booker, a friend of the show, um, and, they, and I believe you're you're within this uh, enterprise where they um, launched a decor company yes. and a, event planning. Uh, yes, event planning. Uh, and, and like decorating. And so, so can you uh, talk to us a bit so, about that? So you know, I, again, you have all these resources. It's putting them to you know to bring you finance. Uh, Philly Fashion Week as a whole, an organization can't really move if you don't have the financials on point. Right. You have all these lights and production things just sitting there. <laughs> you just turn into an event. We're all here. So that's there where we get to bring some of this, um, a little bit of those experiences that we bring to people during Philly Fashion Week and to your own personal events, whether it's a store opening, an installation, or a party of what windows. windows or whatever the case may be um we do that at philly fashion week i work mostly the bigger stuff because okay. <laughs> i you know i do the same thing um for me as for my brand only um but um you know you have your big events and you want philly fashion week to be the team behind it yeah you're gonna end up with Prajay, julie and angela and kevin and carrie you're gonna end up with a team team and then you're gonna have the same effect um to what we've been bringing for philly fashion week that part right there you can ask kevin and carrie i hold that so dear to my heart i'm like <laughs> fight with them so hard i'm like listen we're not doing that 
Why not? Because it doesn't fit our standards. <laughs> As if they're not the people that start set the standards. It's that. Like, right. it's not like a joke. It, we take our jobs very, very seriously. We take these shows very, very seriously. Um, with the CFDA, the task force. I know they don't want to, but, you know, it's going to be a little tougher for designers to show into these shows because now we're really going to focus on on these things. Like, why do you have this print in your collection? Are you planning on remaking it? Can you remake that? Like, we mm -hmm. forget about the education part, and as an organization, if we don't educate our designers as we are putting them out there, we're also not doing them a service either. Mm -hmm. we, there's that training process there. And to be on the CFDA platform, you need to fit those standards. Like, right. are you going to be able to produce this size run from 0 to 14 that you say on your website that you carry? Are you going to be able to produce this print that you just walk into the store and you bought? Are you going to be able to produce this within the time frame? Do you have a lookbook? Do you have a press kit? Do you even know what a press kit is? Can mm -hmm. you write one? A press release? Um, is your how do you do go see with models even with the models too there's an entire process of training as well that you know coming up you know we're still in pandemic mode but coming up with the new Philly Fashion Week direction all these things are there as well um, so that everyone that we are showing as an organization whether it's models or just designers are legit they are on point any buyer any press can just pull their you know press kit right on the side of the runway call for that dress you're gonna get it right there and then versus you know it's a dress that's falling apart on the runway but it's there exactly yeah. that part is what you know complete edit and we give you the cfda we give you task force you give us a collection that is ready to send down the runway <laughs> exactly exactly so that's the trade-off so i'm really happy to be part of that team i'm really happy to be part of the executive team as well to make sure that we're not just putting on shows it's not it's beneficial to us of course and also everyone involved is also beneficial to them as well well that's fantastic um and it's, it's really awesome just uh, to see now uh, just years you're you know loving these different designers and seeing them down the runway but now also seeing them diversify in the business and execution mm -hmm. of the Philly Fashion Week franchise yes yeah that's the goal this soon you don't have New York as the title as fashion capital. Well, maybe we can be the next big city of fashion. It makes no sense. But right, yeah. and of course, you know, New York is one of the big capitals of fashion. But you don't have leaders within the fashion world there, yeah. like Kevin and Carrie. You can just shoot who, are email. <laughs> who are trying to create a structure of mentoring, like organizations. Mm -hmm. A kind of almost like a kind of governing panel yeah. of of the industry, um, and, and giving designers that level of support. Yes, um, I think that you know governance is also very important as well. Then it gives it everything a structure. Um, it gives you know an opportunity for everyone to be held accountable for mm -hmm. whatever it is your part is you're playing within. You know, if you want to be part of the show. All you have to do is make sure you have your stuff right. Right, exactly. <laughs> so exactly. That you can't be. It's a, one of the most diverse shows that I've seen. Um, I've done DC Fashion Week. I've, I've produced Boston Fashion Week myself when I was in Boston for four years. And that's kind of why I gravitated toward them because I was like, oh my God, I was doing this in Boston. And I really wish um, 
you know, had some support. So I don't do it anymore. I thought it was important for me to bring that service to them because I do believe in what they're doing. Um, so, yeah. And so now being a designer who's on both sides of the table, um, the kind of administrative and uh, production side and the creative side, what would you say um, for designers who are coming up or are still in school or teaching themselves, what do you feel are some of the resources and support that designers are lacking and really need um, to succeed? Down here in Philly? Yeah. Um, first, I would say, please hold your tomatoes. <laughs> um, I've observed a couple of the fashion design schools um, and how their education process is, and I would tell you, it is way too lenient. I mean... Mm. You send a kid to college, you're spending thousands of dollars to get a degree in fashion design, and you show up your review, your work is not done. I mean, you are failing. <laughs> That's right, just exactly. pretty much how it, right, it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. There's no you question if you, you didn't complete your project, or this is midterm because um, reviews are usually midterm. There's no question you missed four classes, you're still in this class. You failed your class because you missed four classes, and that's, that's how I was thought yeah the, the, the education part you have to take very very seriously as the adult going to college and also the institution also held you so like accountable for everything that you did and i'm i notice as a leniency that is not here when it comes to some of the students that i've met in mm -hmm. some of these universities that's the first thing i would say to that this is not bashing it's just my observation um the second thing I would say is, and that's for me, when I was in a search to find a place to create work and I find it to be extremely difficult that this place has so many empty buildings, big, huge, large um, industrial places. I was just sitting there collecting dust and I right. don't understand why there haven't been some sort of um, artist space leaving work or even workspace. Yes, I was introduced to the bark nothing against the bark but i have a but very it's just one place <laughs> one place there needs I, to be many more and then we have you know crin arts which is where i am now right. crin art creates a different that environment that i feel like that should be more on the city's radar for this younger designers who doesn't have the money that i'm paying the rent but that can take that rent and split it with four people with a smaller right. fee but they can go there's or maybe an, they offer some kind of internship work study situation to get a free studio to free space. studio space that the art kind of governance and it comes to fashion needs a little bit of structuring and that's why you know kevin and carrie coming at a very important time in a very important position because i do believe that's one of the things when the task force had a meeting that's the one thing i did say think about that because um to create in your living room is one thing. Whatever you eat in that kitchen is in your clothes. Um, right. You can't really properly do work in a tiny living room or in a living space. Even if you have more space, you have a basement, it's really a different thing to wake up and go to the studio mm -hmm. and your clients come there. It's all about the studio. Then you start to go into 
really showing people what your brand is you have mm -hmm. to properly merchandise the store to represent the brand that you're you know you're trying to portray uh, you can invite your clients to come over do measurement you can do more i do understand it's not feasible financially and that's where i feel like with all these buildings just sitting there not doing anything there should be more of that for designers to um to um to create their work and the other thing is the productions down here that i saw i mean some of them is really uh it's really a shame that what they ask you to produce stuff that it you mm. charging way more than new york is <laughs> like i will go to new york and it's expensive and then to be in philly and people i don't know if it's because of the lack of so competition when when it comes to those things um, like pattern making and simple making stuff like that tech packing it's super expensive down here and I don't think even if I wanted to spend hours teaching a designer how to properly put a collection together from tech packing to a sample if they would be able to do it because I already know the price and that thing right. that's a big disservice um, we need to focus more into this um, production and you know really giving a designer is the right resource to grow um into a brand you know that's what i would say but the fashion is there it's a very distinct look it's a very distinct vibe so there's always a leisure in it which is what i, I mean i stopped wearing like uncomfortable shoes i have more sneakers now than <laughs> i've ever had in my life because right? philly is like you see a guy in a beautiful tailored suit but he's wearing his sneakers like no nobody's business and you know the sandal thing even though i'm not a fan but there are sometimes you see a girl with a very cute purse and a big sunglasses hair laid to god and then she have a flip-flop on it and i'm like i will pretend i didn't see the flip-flop but right. she looked really good <laughs> yeah. and it has its own aesthetic you can see it that there is this casual comfort chic um well, of course, uh, Councilman David O, who um, was a guest on this show a few weeks ago, uh, sponsored the bill uh, which created the Philly T Fashion Task Force. And, you know, as I'm listening to you, I mean, you're really having my brain clicking. And I think that would be something mm -hmm. to suggest to Councilman O as a prospective bill yeah. of how we can get funding and just the execution yeah. of turning fabrics. a lot of these abandoned buildings over um, to to, uh, to art, up and coming artists, artists yeah. and finding ways where they can kind of earn the space, yeah. earn the rent. Yeah, you know, in the rent and with the opportunity to move into their own space, but mm -hmm. the, at the end of the day, the, the, it's one thing to sew a dress in a home store, it's another thing to sew it in an industrial machine. Exactly. It's not in day. And then if you're a painter or a mixed media artist, you, you want to go and practice, and you, you can't do a lot of these things like shellacking mm -hmm. this and overexposing that and different yeah. techniques. If you economically, you're forced to work in your base yeah exactly and how do you tell a designer you know think about your print when they don't even know where to begin and making a print or right. where to get one creating it like right now even though my prints are printed with different company and i do more digital but there is a print shop right downstairs at crane arts where i can learn how to make mm. screen printing and actually print it on fabric when i saw that i was just like sign me up i'm Down staying here. here because i wouldn't know how much money i'm going to save when i can just order a bulk of fabric have it delivered here and just take it right to the basement and do yards and yards of mm. silk printing 
it, that type of stuff um it needs to be made more available like proper pr proper you know photographers come i mean i'm sorry this is nothing to photographers but the idea that i spend months doing a collection and you come to a show and i still have to pay you for pictures makes no sense to yeah. me have photographers that can provide designers good pictures without asking them for more money there's right. designers and out then, there and then also the idea of what this is another pet peeve of mine <laughs> i'm not I understand, just like the other things you were talking about, that it has to be advantageous for both. Alright, so you take the picture, so you're going to put your watermark on it. Uh, for those of Which you, is, by the way, not the proper way of doing it. You should not put your watermark on your pictures. Right, because then it <laughs> we're going to get cropped anyway. Right, <laughs> I, right. I, and you can put these things on social media, oh, do not alter and da, 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 this, that, but are you in a contract? So no, you can't yeah. really say, but I understand... On the other point, if you take a picture and it really gets used and shared and stuff, you know, you want people to know that yeah. well, you took it. But the thing is, there's a number of photographers out there that I'm not going to say names and get into that. I have one. <laughs> but I get really annoyed, especially following the designers I know and love, you know, personally. And or some of my friends, I have lots of friends who are models and this and that. And you want to support them, and then they're posting the pictures, and the logo's right in the middle of the yeah. picture, right across their chest, their waist. It's it's <laughs> taking away from you visually taking in the image. And then there is that part. But since we, I think we talk about a lot of educational thing here. One other thing for photographers that. Let's use me for an example. If you're using a designer like myself or Don Streamer, uh, Renee Hill, that people that magazines are actually looking when they drop a picture. Right. When you put your watermark on there, the magazine would not publish that picture because your watermark is on there. The, the magazine would not even publish the picture if it was my own watermark, considering that it is my clothes. The, right. You did not. You are really bring like putting yourself into a tiny box that only gets you instagram that only right. gets you a retweet versus i worked with project you know project has been featured in many magazines so somehow somewhere Owl, this picture is bizarre it, it's there's a whole list you know that picture is gonna end up somewhere but when you put that watermark i'm not even putting on my instagram if i can crop it the right way it's not it doesn't mean that it, i'm taking credit away from you no there's a proper again there's a proper way to credit images. Understand right. on my Project Oscar page, I only work for Project Oscar. Even right. as a photographer, we work together, but having your logo across an image you took from me on my platform makes right. no sense. Right. Now in the credits, yes, I must give credit. I must, even if I did pay for it, I still must give credit or who took those pictures. when you read the picture. fashion magazines and you, you flip, don't and see you anything down, across the... No, at the bottom, it'll, it's it, right it'll there. say image courtesy of fashion stylist so This and, and that. So. And even for the designer too, like you think, oh, well, you get no my name will be written just as small as yours in the same spot that's right. how you give credit properly to an image because putting your logo or your watermark onto this image 
doesn't get you more following it doesn't get you a relationship with me it takes away from the image it takes a, it's ugly and some, it's ugly and, and ten too your logo could be ugly and project would never call you because project would know now whatever picture you send there'll be logos all across so for me to save my blood pressure i would not call i will go towards somebody that understand how this industry works. right um how well i have a lot of unwatermarked imagery <laughs> um from the photos i took of your collections that i will inbox you later <laughs> you know there is um this industry i think the problem i face most of the time i think i can call me a leader now i guess yes is that you know there is there's the standard that everybody seems to forget that mm. fashion is a career fashion is a yes 11 Business. billion dollar industry the same way your kids go to med school or law school they learn that trade the same right. way i can't go in front of the judge and say your honor this is my case da, da, da. i'll probably end up in jail because i don't know anything about the law right. it's the same way that lawyer went to school they follow a standard when they're presenting their case to the judge they follow a standard how they write the thing they bring what not to bring mm -hmm. it is the same way for both the designer, the photographers, the models, the seamstress, they are standards. And if and hope to God that you follow these industry standards, you can make a great career out of absolutely nothing because nobody know Prajay until you Google and find a picture of me. Right. You can't say that Prajay is this black guy from Haiti. You don't know who I am because I present my work as close as possible to the industry standards so I don't end up in the basket of who's that per oh I know that person is this even though I'm showing Haitian culture is something that we call very black you still get to question what this is and right. it, it's I follow the standard it's not a skin color thing but once you follow your standards you put you position yourself higher than somebody who's not following the standards um right. submit pictures that people can actually see your details versus blurry picture if it's blurry i'm not even going to look at it. i'm throwing it in the trash right. <laughs> you know if you printed something mm. and you know the printer ink starting to run off and you still send it to me it's going in the trash yeah <laughs> like if you follow the standards in terms of how you design how you spend your money, what you spend money on, the structure thing that are important in a fashion house to have. Here people are paying thousands of dollars to throw the most basic event and I'm like, you know you don't make money doing that, right? You make more money just doing little advertisement on Facebook and sell your product. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, so now, uh, speaking of Haitian culture and history, well, you've dressed and styled many noteworthy uh, people. Uh, one of mine is musical great and producer, philanthropist in his own right, White Wyclef John uh, of the Fugees. Uh, now, can you talk to us a bit about how you two met and the collaborative process? Um, the first <laughs> time I met Cliff, I was doing a show in Boston. Again, that's another thing two designers need to learn. There were three designers there. Somehow she ended up wearing my clothes and I don't even make men's clothes. Mm. Um, I was showing a collection at the MFA and he was there. I know he was there, but I didn't know he was going to be so close to me. It's Wyclef. And I right. find Wyclef backstage right before the show touching everything, praising everything. I'm like, oh, and then he came to one of the guys that was wearing one of my suits. 
and she's like oh my god this suit is so dope i'm like you like that she's like yeah i'm like take it off literally ah. undressed the model in hen white the suit not knowing what was going to happen um sorry model that model didn't go down the runway that <laughs> night um literally four days later i was looking at my feed and white left wearing this gray suit receiving the key to north miami i'm just like wow yeah oh my god it, it, it's one of those things as designers you need to know when to make the call and then right. after that um this story is kind of funny um i w- was working retail in new york i was working for tommy hilfiger collection um and then my publicist called me and say bro Clef is looking for you. I'm like, what the hell do you mean Clef is looking for me? <laughs> I'm at work. She's like, honey, Clef's looking for you. I'm like, okay, okay. put him on. Why Clef called. He's like, yo, Presh, I'm in Haiti with BET and I need a jacket. What do you mean you need a jacket? What do you need this jacket for? Tomorrow morning, it's oh. 2 o'clock. Oh, my God. And I'm at work. You know what happened next. I literally went to my boss and I gotta have to go. I have an emergency. They say, you're not gonna go. And I'm just like, well, on that note, I quit. Why? I quit my job on Fifth Avenue at Tommy Hilfiger to go make white cliff a jacket (laughs) 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 to wear for it's it was um after the earthquake that happened in haiti the first mm-hmm. time and then bt was doing a uh, something live in haiti so i went and literally quit my job walked to the fabric district got fabric went home cut this jacket i was working until two o'clock in the morning call a car go to his studio no fit nothing i don't even think you can barely fit his arm into that jacket <laughs> because there's no time for any of that but it did fit for that one time right um grab his jacket the next day by noon i'm looking at white on bet wearing his jacket um in haiti and that's how the white situation wow <laughs> it cost me a job but you know what these are the things decisions you made yes. <laughs> you make when you love this so much well i think god had a bigger plan and destiny for yeah. you than working uh for tommy home yeah it it's looked very good on my resume yeah yes, exactly <laughs> And then too, it's establishing that uh, that relationship. Mm-hmm, that relationship, yeah. Mm-hmm. That same day, I dressed Sunny too. I, that's how I was able to dress Sunny. And Sunny, she decided to undress herself from what she was wearing. Sunny is from the View, and she was like, "I'm wearing this dress tonight." And then she wore the gown to the party, and then bought it after she actually did buy that gown. That garment. That gown. Um, and then call me. I went to her studio a couple of times when she was at CNN. Um, we closed and dressed her a few times after that. She purchased for me. And, you know, that's another relationship that was created there. <laughs> yes, yes. So, and, and that's such an important um, aspect of growing a, your career as mm-hmm. an artist and a designer and a business person. Yeah. Uh, building relationships and knowing when's that time to step away and watch and just take that leap of faith mm-hmm. and not burn your bridges until you cross them that was told by my grandmother <laughs> <laughs> don't set the bridge on fire honey until you cross <laughs> right exactly so you're in safe purpose like literally um so all these things are very important in fashion to really kick start your career it's not easy i would not sit here mm-hmm. and say that it's easy even for me to this very moment right now it's still a struggle but People are taking notice. People are, we sat here, you tell me what you like about my work. If I didn't follow these standards and I was going all crazy, the conversation probably would have been different, you know? Right. So exactly. these are these things are very important to really building um, a strong foundation. 
So now, uh, one of your other amazing accomplishments. Um, we've ha had several uh, contestants, uh, just bouncing back to what we were talking about, about, you know, Philly having a thriving um, uh, uh, scene here. Several Phil Philadelphia designers ha have been on Project Runway, and Project is currently on the season's uh, uh, Project Runway. Right, so so exciting. So exciting. <laughs> so, what was it like? You know, we've all seen it years and years now, but it's different watching it on TV than being in it. What was it like that first moment when you oh walked in God. for the first day of filming and you're on set and the house where you have to, it's really sinking and this is real and it's going to be my life for the next couple of weeks? The first, um, the, well, the first interaction in the project was outside. And I think we were concerned more about getting like heat stroke than anything else. Right. <laughs> and right after that, we were we were thrown right into it. Um, we met a team. It was a team challenge. We were separated. There was not so much. Um, it didn't click in for me yet. Uh, I know I was there. The cameras were there. I was in lockdown for weeks. Um, it, it clicked to me at the end of that challenge when we actually ended up on set. Uh, and then I walked to the runway room and then I was standing there with all the lights and this black runway and the back says Project Runway. It was me and Octavio. I remember we grabbed each other and we started crying. <laughs> One, I saw my grandmother in the audience. Therefore, that quick moment, the only person in the room was her and I. And that kind of like, it, it, it really, that's, that was that moment we both turned to each other and was like, oh my God, Miha, we're on Project Runway. We made it. We're like, we're on Project, this is like, this is the Project Runway Runway. And then literally it dawned that we are actually here. It was very, it was a surreal um, experience and moment to realize that, oh shoot, I am actually here. Right? <laughs> And yeah. just such also a beautiful and validating moment to have your grandmother there, who was your foundation building mm -hmm. block in yeah. your career. Yeah, so I it was um it was very inspiring, and, and there's a lot, but um the competition itself, oh boy, <laughs> <laughs> so tough. People see it on TV, you only see ten minutes, and you're like, oh, oh that my goes God. on for hours. They're like, honey, it took three days for that ten minutes you just saw. <laughs> Right, right, right. <laughs> so um, it was very challenging. It is ex exactly what I expected. Um, I kind of did prepare myself going in both physically and mentally and also skill-wise as well because I know it was going to be one of those competitions where I'm probably going to meet up with, like, the senior designer of Gucci or mm -hmm. <laughs> Vora Wang. So I wanted to have all my skills, <laughs> my ducks in a row. Um, but what was... Um, Rather shocking to me and a little bit different is the fact that when I got there, the entire group of designers, all 15 of us, removing one, we actually got along with each other. Now, that's, that's as if we didn't fight. We did fight. Sure. We did argue, but it became like a family. Like, mm -hmm. we dealt with our issues right on. We apologized when we were wrong. We feel like... And then it wasn't just an apology and the person go and the person was like, oh, I made you some tea. It was like, oh, thank you. Like, I'll bring you some wine. It was one of those situations that we never went to bed angry in a sense, even though there were a few instances with different people that those cases were a little different. But as a group, we um, quickly realized that everyone 
and that group was actually very creative quick even yeah, they've, they've, the hosts have said that this season has been very difficult because mm-hmm. everybody is so talented so ta- even I- the people we considered not to be the strongest were very very talented in that and then we realized that the competition at this point is on the runway mm-hmm. do your work let the judges decide and then create some sort of kind of community for one another because we really were in that house for what three months and yeah and so all you saw was one another there's no phone no tv no radio there's no yes. going outside it's complete lockdown oh like even in a backyard they which was outdoor they put a huge um kind of um uh, gloomy tarp on top that you can't really see outside oh, or the outside geez. can see you just so that we can be sequestered the whole time how you keep your mental you right. know it's with each other with each yeah. other like when you know somebody needed a therapist somebody just sit there and listen and if we needed to cry we all cry and we have champagne we have wine and cigarettes right so that's not promoting smoking but we are smokers um cook um we i find myself cooking every sunday and everybody loved the haitian food and i was very happy to share it with them so now sunday meal with project was a thing like nobody wants food we don't want anything Project's cooking on sunday um we find ways. We find ways yeah. that we realize the bathroom is probably the only time where the mic goes mute. So if you wanted yeah. to let one cry out real quick, you just right. call the code for bathroom and then you go and you cry your little eyes out and you come right back out. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. It was one of the situations. There were a lot of crying. I stopped wearing makeup, I think, after the fourth day. Mm. I was like, I can't wear these foundations anymore. I'm always crying. It's running. I can't. It's too emotional. <laughs> it's too emotional. It's too much. It's just like, it's way too much. So I stopped wearing makeup. I'm like, no, nope, I'm going to go on TV just like that. Thank God my face did not fail me. <laughs> now, um, Project Runway, of course, is known for all of its creative challenges. Can talk about of the, all the challenges that you did. What was the, for you, the was there one that was most challenging? And then what your favorite? Um, the most challenging, I would say, and that's because I didn't feel very happy with my dress, is Challenge 3, which is a haunted, hauntingly chic. Fun facts. It took me literally <laughs> almost my entire time at Project Runway, which was like... Within two months, I was sitting in interviews. We were talking about Challenge 3. Mm-hmm. Weeks later, even though it happened like two months ago. Right, right, we're right. We are talking about Challenge 2, Challenge 3. And then that's when it dawned on me that this was an evening wear challenge. And I was mm. like, oh, shoot. This was an evening wear challenge. And I missed it. Even though I made an evening wear, an evening dress. But somehow, walking into the store, I walk into it with the wrong mindset and then walk into I'm about to go make an evening dress I make an evening dress in one day and I paint it over the fabric at Mm. home so (laughs) that and then I ended up trying to um trying to um explore push the limits and then that messed up the bottom of the dress I put it back I was not very happy so that look become very 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 much like very conflicting for me so i would say that one i know there was a, a um, olympic challenge but the olympic challenge i love my dress i <laughs> except for the bow which christian did ask me to change at the end i'm gonna say it um 
but I love that dress. So I wouldn't. Uh, that's the one work that I would say at Project Runway that I was not such a hundred percent behind. But everything else, I have. Um, I not only give my hundred percent, but I also love what came out. But my favorites is two. Well, it's three. It has to be streetwear, of course. That was about Haiti. That meant a lot to me to do. Mm-hmm. There are the gloves, um, who I did for my grandmother, and of course my mom as well. But it was more focused on my grandmother. It was the women's I raised me. Um, the third one, which is avant garde. Yes. Now that, that was my favorite. A little thing that people don't know, and I'm glad that we're doing this conversation today. Avant-garde was inspired by Philly. <laughs> wow. They did not say the part where I talk about Philly, mm. which pissed me off. If you're hearing Project Runway, I'm mad about that. But it was all about the murals in Philadelphia, the art scene in Philadelphia, how you can just look up and then there is something there. Oftentimes, you don't know who did it. The mm-hmm. artist is unknown. And when you take that into perspective, you realize that a lot of artists spend their entire life, like Basquiat, for example, which I was referred to in the show. Great. I mean, I was referred to so many legends in that show. I'll take that and go. Um, You know, he spent his entire life doing art. It wasn't until he died that his art is now worth billions. And now he's Mr. It guy. And, And that's usually the case for a lot of artists. And we walk by them every day and we never really... Give you know, them their give them their praise, and sometimes it's until they die, and we forget the part that as artists, that art is actually what brings us back. Mm-hmm. I remember being when my uncle father, he was my father figure in my biological side of my family, when he passed away, I was so depressed I couldn't function, and I remember the only thing I could do was a collection, and I did my first spring, um, fall winter collection. It was one of my best work. Mm-hmm. Um, the art constantly brings us back, and for me, being born in Haiti being born in walls of art and into living in Philly with walls of art everywhere you go it was a moment to celebrate the artists of these two places um, that kind of and of course we did speak about New York and Chastity did about Houston um, a little bit of Boston there, but the foundation of that was Philly and Haiti um, and they didn't show the Philly part so if, Philly, if people in Philly are listening avant-garde was for you baby <laughs> Now, um, uh, this next gentleman we're going to talk about briefly really just created so so much influence in fashion. Uh, Andre Leon Talley. Oh my God, that's my. Uh, yes, yeah, so, so you've cited as one of your major influences, mm-hmm. and uh, so just uh, talk uh, to our listeners just about the importance of Andre and what he he's done and how he's inspired you. Um. I remember uh, when I first came to this country um, or growing up in Haiti, the idea of fashion or designer is not really a thing. Um, No parents want their kids to be a designer or model or work in fashion. It's like, what are you doing? You're wasting your time. There's no life there. Um, It wasn't until I came to the U.S. that I... My adopted parents, now my mom, realized that really early on that there was something there, and then she pushed it, and I was enrolled in mass art classes. I was attending mass art in high school before I went to college, um, art classes, fashion classes, and it wasn't just when I just arrived. I arrived to the to the U.S. on a Saturday, Monday morning, I was already in camp. Wow. Yeah, that, that fast. My mom is wow. an educator, so education is very important in the house, and then from there... 
every Christmas, every holiday, winter break, spring break. I don't think I've went to spring break as a college student. I didn't enjoy that part of my life. Um, and it grew from there. And then there was that part, this can be a career. And I remember very early on, I was learning English and so on and so forth. For Christmas that year, one of my Christmas gifts was Andre Leontale's memoir. Um, and I read it. And that's where I learned about Andre Leontale. I read that book within days. I was uh, intrigued about this black man who is in this industry that I fantasize. Fashion was my escape. I would do it in Haiti to kind of like block something out or for the pastime. But it's not because I wanted to be a designer because I know I couldn't be one. Um, until I reached, you know, these grounds. And then now there's this Andre Leontali guy, and I'm reading, and the more I read, the more similar his life story was with mine. He was raised by a grandmother. He's from down south. He faced a lot of um, difficulties. And the next person I book I read that was a sentence was um, Alec Reck. Mm. Um, and I saw that, and I realized what he did in fashion and how he did it um, with confidence and and a lot of flair uh, and uh, drama and just I met confidence. Him. Uh, really? Oh my God! It was um, <laughs> right around you know a couple years later reading that book and then I realized that the similarities and life stories and that drive me towards them and I started reading more. I subscribed and I keep a tab on what Andre Leontali was saying or doing. If Andre Leontali said anything about somebody's fashion, I won't do it. That's how it was right. that serious. And I remember going to, again, a Project Runway show years ago. Um, they were at Bryant Park. Um, and who's there? Andre Leontali. And young, impressionable Praje wants to take a picture with Andre Leontali. And he was very nice. Um, he wanted to take the picture with me. So as I'm taking the picture with him, this girl cut right in front of me, pull out her phone, and snap a picture with her and Andre Leontali. And then he just looked at me with one of these Andre Leontali stern looks. And I was like, oh, crap. And then he looked at the girl. He was like, young lady, you are very, very rude for that. Very, very rude. And then the girl left and he turned back to me. He was like, and then you say you're in fashion? You were in fashion? You'd let her just cut in front of you like that? Like, if you're going to be in fashion, you have to grow some skin. Mm. That very moment, that was a moment where... Teaching moment. It was that moment where Junior died and Praje was born. (laughs) (laughs) And from that moment, I remember those very tough words that you need to have some background in this industry because people are always going to cut in front of you to take a picture. Um, And it was such an amazing experience. I don't even think he will remember that, but I do have the picture, though. Um, (laughs) Because my friend was there just snapping, and I was like, yeah. And he just released a new memoir last year as well. Yeah, I have that, too. Yeah. Yeah. It was um it was unfortunate to read, um, to see what he had to go through in this you know, one you know, it's one thing to idolize somebody in a way and then when you hear what they go through it's kind of make you sad. It did make me sad a little bit to hear what he had to go through and then even after the whole thing with his house, it shows you what this industry is all about. <laughs> yes. And I mean just on a more more serious note mm-hmm. on that. Um, we really do have to praise um, groundbreakers like Andre Leon Talley, mm-hmm. not only for what he did creatively, but opening up the door for and, a lot. And, and for know, a young boy like me yes, from a different country yes. with, with, a, with nothing but a dream that 
maybe can work and then to stumble on, on top of this man is just like and I, we are nowhere where we need to be in so far as equal representation and people in roles of power um designers from all backgrounds mm -hmm. getting their light but andre was the first man of color mm -hmm. to be like Anna Wintour. and Anna, right? Like Anna Wintour to, to be in an influential position in fashion. He was the first black man in a media position. Mm -hmm. For those of you who don't know, he was um, one of the creative directors of, of Vogue, uh, American Vogue, working right under Anna yeah, Winter for over 25 years. Um, and he was the first black mm -hmm. he worked from executive to go to Paris Fashion, fashion Week, Week and work with some of those big designers, Warhol, all these people. And he's He's, he's talked very bravely and openly about during those years the racism that he had to deal with mm -hmm. when he went to Paris and he was the first and people would look well what's he doing here who's this mm -hmm. and, and of course he's one of the most influential people in fashion yeah but you know he he has gone through his struggle um opening up the doors for others mm -hmm. but we're still not nowhere near where nowhere we, near, need, we yeah. need to be the only thing right now i'm afraid that you know i don't want to happen is one of those fixed support situation where yeah somebody's like oh yeah i'll support you but really they're just doing it to fill in a gap or to look like they walk or they're part right. of the movement or hopping on track yeah yeah um, versus actually truly creating an opportunity to give somebody an opportunity to actually really do grow and make something of themselves. So, yeah, we're definitely not there. Um, but I think, you know, during the pandemic, with everything that happened with um, Black Lives Matter, mm -hmm. um, you know, all these march and things, people are... I don't want to sound like a hypocrite because I have my feeling towards it still. But I don't think people are aware I think people know it's happening they're watching out for their backs mm. <laughs> that's the way I'm gonna put it not, you're not aware you know when you know Virgil is like the only black designer in a big fashion house that gives uh, uh, Louis Vuitton right. there should be more. more when you think about black culture in fashion and how much of it they sucked and built this industry on yes. there should be more um, People are talking about visco prints and African prints. Do you know not many Africans are actually making billions of their own prints? Mm -hmm. Visco print is. They're not even African. Or <laughs> even, even know about licensing and trademark. Trademarks, uh -huh. licensing, like, like copyright. And like we really need to do a better job in the education part and properly structure our little soldiers before we send them into this battle out yes. there because fashion is what that's what it is well i i always say you know that we are all different types of people in this world different backgrounds ethnicities you know that that needs to be reflective mm -hmm. Um, not only on what we see, like on the runway and music videos, um, uh, uh, but also in the levels of decision making of all those industries, because not just one type of person mm -hmm. wears clothing, not just one type of person 
makes clothing. Mm -hmm. There's not just one lane of life. Mm -hmm. There's many experiences, yeah. many backgrounds, and we we need to see that on the runway, on the TV, on, on film, and behind the scenes and as well. As because well. how are you going to reflect lots of different types of stories and journeys if you don't have those people? Behind the scenes. Behind the scene to tell you, you know, there were quite a few different things at Project Runway that I even noticed too. Um, you know, for the accessory challenge, even though you didn't see it on TV, you know, there's a designer that was paired with another company. And when he stood in front of me to say the name of the company, and I was just like, if you rallied around us and you were nice to this group, considering the fact that I'm here, you would have learned that word from me. I would have told you how to say it the right way. And you would have also known that Haitians don't speak Haitians. We speak Creole. Yeah. Um, and to a Haitian, that is highly offensive to say they speak Haitian. Um, <laughs> and you would have known that, and you would have you probably wouldn't say it when you say it in where. Yeah. Um, I was a little offended. But these type of things, if you don't have... The people around you and even when you do have those people around you if you don't take the time to get to know them get to know the story ask questions educate yourself educate yourself before you know which is also is, is showing respect yeah to the people you're dealing with and their human experience yeah um when prada put those figurines out and there was this big yeah. old storm and they're like do you not have black people in your team the answer to that is probably yes they probably do have black people in their teams but they're not the kind of black people they're going to listen to you right. or ask or, a question or they're too afraid to speak up for losing their or jobs for losing their jobs it's and, just like and we talked about this on uh, on the show this happened i think what about two years ago mm -hmm. or so and then was a good uh, what brand but there was that and there's and, H &M. And, then, and then there was the the, the sweater the sweater right and uh, and um, well, the sweater. To be honest with you, I didn't understand why people were mad. It's a, it's a turtleneck sweater. It goes up here. Right. <laughs> Change the color. Right. But that figurine and yeah, and, and, and the H and M, you know, the happiest monkey and the bunch, and you yeah, put another right. black boy. Somebody in your team is black. They know that was gonna be offensive, so, but you don't ask them questions. You don't involve them. They're just there for a check. They're not really yeah. part of that ex that experience of growth. So yeah, you ended up going there. Now you have to apologize to so a bunch of people that would have saved you the headache why but well to me i say okay the apology but let's trace back to how this actually came from concept and a meeting to actually physically being in the store it's weird that, that, that you think that that's okay there's such a, a disconnect here yeah and that you think that it is appropriate I mean, it's just so, so wrong and tacky mm -hmm. and insensitive. And it's just showing how racist uh, these brands are. Yeah. And that's a whole nother. And like one of the, the things that just makes me so frustrated and mad is you have so many talented independent designers like yourself. Um, and they're trying to build their, you know, taking over the universe and mm -hmm. commerce and, 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 and stake in this fashion industry game. And we talk about, oh, support this, that, and that. But yet you'll go and be flashing the latest Gucci, the latest uh, uh, Hermes, the, these brands who have shown in their marketing and product decisions, just even going the last five years, 
that many of them are elitist and racist, mm-hmm. but then we're clamoring to get the. It's like this brainwash thing. Let's let's take that same energy and throw it towards independent designers. To add to that, it's kind of like the same thing that happened um, last year at the Oscars, I believe. Yes. Right in the middle of. Black life matter, black designers matter, black business matter, black models matter. And then you sit there and you watch this red carpet with all these A-listers of black descent, Dior, Valentino's. You don't see a single black designer anywhere in the world on them. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, how do you come back here and you sign me a, sign a check to an organization for a quarter of a mil because you believe in black life matter, but you forget that to a black designer from around the way, having your one dress at this red carpet for them would have ch- drastically changed their career. Right. It, it would have cost you nothing. It is that one night where all of you guys could have decided, let's find designers from around the way. Let's find designers of our own people to kind of complete this Black Lives Matter as movement. As you have the we, pin on saying as Black you Lives have the, Matter on and a you wear gown. It, 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 and, and I kind of went before I went live on social media about it. I kind of went and I looked at the best dress list and I went to down to everyone that was there. And I think I may find like maybe two or three like designers that, yeah. that was there from not even an A lister, I would say like a C lister. But the, all the big ones, everyone, the Chanel, big. The, George, the, Chanel, Christian Siriano, this and that. And I'm like, and then also the, the, the contradiction because then many of the reporters who are there on scene are interviewing them about their activism and and wow they send in this Galliano gown wow right and that to me made no sense and I made a list that last year and then this year we're gonna figure out how that list go that you know you know there's a exposing yourself to them too and their stylists and everything but it just makes no sense like. If you really want to give opportunity to the people, give it, <laughs> you know? Yes. Put me at the same table where everybody else is making those big decisions where they sell one look and they make a life for themselves. Don't yes. just, um, oh, there's a little bench here. You can sit in that corner. <laughs> now you're in the room. <laughs> right. So, I mean, it's just, also it gets back to walking the walk. Yes. Integrity and actually, I mean, we're not all perfect. We yeah. are, but if you're really saying you support, then support. Yeah, um, that's very um, important thing to say. The integrity, um, and my brand sits on integrity. Um, if we make a mistake, I don't believe in the customer is always right. I'm sorry, I have to say this because I work retail my whole life. There yeah, are some customers. Customers are rude and ignorant, they and they rude. don't know what they're talking about. Pretty much, but. I strongly believe in proper clientele, proper customer service, integrity. If you made a mistake on somebody's product, I apologize and return the money. Don't fuss about it. Don't fight about it. If And you won't be able to do that if you live in product to product. Mm. You can't sell one t-shirt and use that t-shirt money to go buy food, even though I know you're starving, but honey, you're going to have to stay starving. Because you're never going to make any money if you use that money. Because now, you sold that t-shirt, you should be replacing that t-shirt. 
and you don't know if the person is gonna want it and they end up returning it. Mm-hmm. Now you owe somebody 60 bucks that is not going to give you six months to be paid. They're gonna get into social media and say you didn't return their money. Have integrity. Like if you know you cannot produce something, do not say you're going to produce it. If you know you're not gonna be ready, don't get involved in things mm-hmm. that you're gonna have to hear Price's mouth. Like why is this that way? Don't really think about what you're doing out there when it comes to fashion. Fashion is an industry. Fashion is a career. It's a multi-billion dollar industry. There are rules. There are standards if you want to make it far. Um, learn from the people. It's not because somebody know more than you should not ask. Of course, if I know more than you, I'm always there's going to always be that character that I know more than you because I do know more than you. Right. Ask. Ask questions. Don't make mistakes when you have people around you that already made the mistake already that is there to help prevent you from making those mistakes go out there go to these events find you know radio stations like yourself come and speak about your product really don't create a million things at once when nothing is working pick one and Mm -hmm. focus on that one and master it and when that one is selling you put another one like all these things are the things that I've learned over the past 20 years that I really wish somebody tell you. They don't, they don't tell you this in no. school. You have to go to the experience, to the journey, to really find those things. And, and I'm here to tell you, think about it. Think hard. Measure six times. Think ten times. And then cut it once and do it once. And don't lose your money while you're at it. Really be strategic and really think about the things, the effort you put out there. Because, I mean, I think I, uh, I came home July... I went to LA and then Haiti because of the earthquake came back LA again LA New York I still have four bags in my house right now that still need to be unpacked <laughs> mm-hmm. from that Haiti trip to the LA to the like that's how when you start making moves it will, it is going to end up that way you might not have time to sit there and so dress so get interns get people you might not be able to Stay on your social media all day. You can't do it all by yourself. You need people around you for each specific things so that the business can move forward. Or you're going to find yourself, you know, in an event with Wycliffe and he likes your suit and not being able to give him that suit right. because you're and thinking that opportunity. Thinking that, oh my God, I have to do another show in two weeks. I need that suit. No, you hand it over. You yeah. make clothes. Go make another one. If you can't, then that suit is gone. You have to be very strategic. Think about the things. Think about who you give your clothes to, who you lend out your clothes to. And if you do rent out a clothes for somebody for a photo shoot or model, send it to the dry cleaners. Don't just send it back the same way after you wore it. It's disgusting. Right? (laughs) There are so much. There's so many etiquettes, so much. And that's why a lot of people in Philly will tell you. If you don't go to Praje, if you're not correct, honey, he doesn't play. And I don't play. And I don't make it easy for anyone either. I follow my standards with everyone, even Kevin and Carrie. Every time they pull something from me, they still have to sign a model release release for the stylist release. These are my brothers. They still do it because I have a business here I need to run. I need to keep tab on these people's clothes. Right, right. Uh, so now, what's uh, on on tap for the Project Oscar brand and uh, some of your your goals and things you have coming up in the next months? So, the next month is going to be quite <laughs> busy. Um, right now, we just opened shop at Crane Art. Mm-hmm. Um, the atelier is there. It is by um, by appointments only. Um, that's due to COVID. Sure. And even after COVID, it's still by appointment only. We don't have a storefront, but you can come in. 
do your orders consultation you can purchase and i think i'm gonna run some classes in there as well um nice. for younger designers to learn how to properly put a collection out in the industry um and there is that part happening that we just did here now I'm moving into I have a window coming at the fashion district so for Christmas Eve make a little thing out of it to go see this window release um, where at it's on it's on the ninth the underpath of the ninth street entrance where the grand of entrance the of the district. fashion district nice. um, there is that window there that is actually that's what I was working on before I came here and I'm going right back to mm -hmm. um, and then once we're done with that, there's a collection of jackets that I am working on, which is challenge number two, the streetwear challenge, where I did the painted back jacket. I am working on a very limited um, collection of that. Fifteen of those will be made. Okay. Um, Men's and women's wear? They will be unisex. It's nice. all about the bold of the jacket. Um, you can go online and fill out the wait list. There's a wait list, two wait lists. There's a regular one, and there's one you pay a small fee. It guarantee you, you get to see the jackets first. Um, and once we're done with that, there will be another, there's an event, Fashion Meets of, uh, Food, that's with, um, oh my God, I don't want to butcher his name. He's a chef from Top, from Top Chef. Okay. Um, he, he was in Top Chef, also Haitian, um, that we are doing this event together. We have the same publicist. Uh, I forgot his name. I am so sorry, but... That's okay. We, yeah, we'll find Rhonda Will Willingham. Yes. yes I, saw, I saw that. Yeah, check her yeah. page. Yeah, keep me posted about that. So definitely... Yeah, there yeah. is that in, um, in March in Paris. <laughs> wow. Um, in March in Paris, I'm shooting a small fashion film there and then also taking a vacation with my parents, with my mom. Um... But within that, in between that time, from February until September, October-ish, I am in the middle of designing a new collection. Um, the new collection is a wedding. It's a wedding of my grandmother and my grandfather, but using, you know, aesthetic, which is the goddess. So it's a goddess of Ezri Danto and the god of uh, war, Ogu Filai's wedding. Um, we're going to do that collection it's gonna be crazy a lot of the work will be done in Haiti a lot of it will be done here we're going to bring a lot of the avant-garde Philly inspired painting onto that collection as well it will be the grand opening of Project Oscar in Philly in a way because since I've moved here for three years I've been functioning with a closed house versus we are open house where you can do all where things are moving I did put everything on hold restart all over again when i did move here so now this new collection and then project runway happened i had to remain closed everything you see me doing here is a soft project oscar <laughs> come september with a new collection it will be the beginning of project oscar in philly as an open fashion house where we'll be doing different activities different things um you know really put our a brick onto the foundation of this industry in philly Fantastic. so that's what's happening well, all amazing and great things. Uh, so proud of you and happy for you. And just wish you just thank so you. many continued blessings. Thank you. Thank um, you. Uh, so, Prajay, if our listeners want to follow you on social media, where can they go? Yes, please do follow and tell all your friends to go follow too. Um, you can follow me at Prajay Oscar, one word. It's P-R-A-J-J-E-O-S-C-A-R. Together, it's a gold coin. And then the same thing for online projectoscar.com um, shoot us an email 
leave a voicemail right now things are a little bit you know we're in the middle of like project runway and things are happening it might take a couple of days for a phone call or email to be entered right, but right. we will get back to you somebody is on that um so yeah project oscar.com project oscar anywhere awesome. <laughs> fantastic and of course you can follow me on the style and empowerment chat with lauren friends facebook page on instagram at the lauren Mazrick. um we're coming to a close of this week's episode it was just so wonderful and amazing to sit down and and uh, chat with you and later when i want to i want to talk to you about a couple other things and i say i support people i support them yeah uh, not just on the mic but <laughs> off uh just so uh, so happy for you uh, and so now next week we are uh, going to be uh, talking with the designers uh, from Jean Tricks, uh, luxury streetwear brand. Yeah, so so I had the opportunity to visit their new studio space in the King of Prussia Mall. So of course they recently addressed Beyonce and Little Kim, and I was again. We have so much amazing talent here in Philly. So don't sleep on the fashion. Oh team yeah, <laughs> I tell people that all the time. There's so much here. Right. So I hope that you have been uplifted and inspired inspired by today's show and just you know go go uh sashay and strut around your house and your office put on a great gown a bright suit and just feel your fabulousness <laughs> until next week um uh, you know keep it locked in and we're taking you out with some uh more great music have a fantastic uplifting and inspired day mm-hmm.